Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder from the Apple. Uh, it may appear that the sky is falling, friends, but, uh, you know, it's 19 games in, 162-game season. And believe it or not, the Mets are still in first place, I believe, or at least heading into Thursday's games. Uh, one game under 500, uh, absolutely no offense. Everything else is clicking. Our buddy Mitch Botanic, Monster Hits Club himself, Nunny Mitch P. He's uh, he's here to talk a little baseball. We're going to talk a little hobby. Mitch, how's it going, my man? Everything's going good. It's a great time of the year, man. Baseball started. Bowman released yesterday. So, uh, you know, things are going good, except for, you know, the Mets offense. <laughs> Can't catch a break, man. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you have these great pitching performances. The starting pitching has been terrific. I think they're still leading leading the majors in wins above replacement as a staff. Uh, 3.04 ERA, best fielding in, fielding independent pitching rating in, in baseball, 2.57. You know, they're, they're doing their jobs. The bullpen has been just as terrific. And the offense just can't scheme to, uh, to score runs. It's, it's unbelievable because this was the year I – thought that DeGrom was finally going to get that offensive support that we were hoping he's get, you know, that he would get for the past, I don't know how long has he been in the league now, six years. And it just still, he's been the best offensive player when he's been pitching, which is insane. When you think about it? Yeah. Oh, and it's, it's, it's almost, it's become, it's begun. It's begun to get comical. Um, You just almost expect it to happen. I mean, even the last two against the Red Sox, Garrett Richards and uh, Nick Pavetta used to be with the Phillies. You know, these are guys who should be shutting down this offense. This this is a you know, it's a very talented group. Everyone's slumping at the same time. It kind of feels like they're pressing. Now, you played a little college ball. Um, You're very well acquainted with, uh, I guess, the mindset at the plate. Yeah. At what point does expectations and pressure and at what point does that really get to you and, and you know you're up there at the plate and you're just trying too hard baseball is and hitting especially is probably your mind comes into play and your mindset probably more than i mean I, I didn't play other sports at a high level but i gotta say that it's it's gotta be up there because the minute you get inside your own head um you you're screwed you know you start thinking about it. So yeah, the mindset really comes into play and, you know, you do start pressing right away. And the more you press, you're actually doing yourself a disservice because now you're worrying about making the next out and, or you could be worrying about making an out and out, you know, or I got to put this ball in play. And when you start pressing like that, that's just, it's not a good, you almost need to take, need a day off and you need to just, clear the slate, meditate, you know, and and just, you know, get in the right frame of mind because the minute you start thinking those things, um, it's, you know, that's when slumps happen and, and it could get ugly really quick. Oh, sure. I mean, look at what's happening just around the Mets roster. I mean, Conforto got off to a bad start and the fan base absolutely killed him. And he, he's been hitting, but nobody else has. Lindor still isn't hitting yet. And, you know, that's going to happen. He's a he's a world class player. He, he's one of the best in the league over the last few years. He doesn't just forget how to play ball in the middle of his prime. Um, you know, over the last few games, at least, it, it looks 
you know, I'm not a professional, but it looks like the approach is almost too selective. You know, and I, I, I get selective approaches. I do. And I wait for your pitch. That's cool. But um, it appears that the Mets are being so selective that they're being fooled. And, and you see guys, you know, taking these ugly hacks at pitches that are bouncing, you know, three feet ahead of the plate. And it just it goes to show you where they are, um, you know, confidence wise, standing yep. on the plate. that they, they have no idea what's coming. And the confidence is is number one when you when you're up at the plate and you know like i said you know i played at a high level but not you know major league level and what i would start to do is you got to stop thinking and literally what i would do is you know instead of thinking oh i got to take the first pitch or i got to take this i would literally go up there with the mindset of if i knew this pitcher is grooving fastballs because they want to get ahead of me I'm swinging at the first pitch. Hence, that's how I got the nickname First Pitch Mitch. Literally, first pitch Mitch. yeah, that's literally how I got it. It was because the way I would not go into slumps or keep that confidence would be I would tr- I w- I wouldn't do the disservice of getting myself deep in account or behind in the count, I should say, not deep in account, uh, behind in the count because once you start, then the, those negative thoughts start flowing again. So what I would do is literally, if I knew that I was, you know, in a bad mental state or my confidence wasn't great, was I would literally just try to jump on those first pitch fastballs to start to get in the groove. And the minute you start putting some hits together, you'd be surprised how quickly um, your confidence just changes. Um, but if you continually get behind in the count and you're swinging at pitches, like you were saying before, that's when you start to get fooled because you don't know what's coming. And, um, and, and stuff like that. So it's easy to then get yourself deep in account or I'm sorry, behind in the count. And then it just becomes that, that vicious cycle. And the way I would break out of it would be like, I wouldn't let the pitcher get ahead of me or I do everything I could to not let the pitcher get ahead of me in counts. So I, get, I would get favorable pitches that I could hit. And then once you string a few hits together, that confidence comes back. Now, again, I'm not a major league hitting coach, but it worked for me. You know, yeah, no, I mean, keeping it simple is, a, um, it, it's a, it, and that goes for any, you know, in, in any situation, um, you know, you can easily psych yourself out in, in any scenario and, and you yeah. know, the Mets have been not, not producing whatsoever with runners in scoring position and then they're putting themselves in the position to succeed, but you know, a 187 batting average last in the league with runners in scoring, uh, scoring position, uh, weighted runs created there at 63. So that's um, that's yeah. nearly 40 percent worse than than the major league average. You know, it's just not going to cut it. Um, you know, this team's built for success, and the depth yep. is there finally. And, and you know, it's not going to work if no one's really getting it done. So hopefully that turns around. But thankfully, uh, the Mets have an off. We're recording on Thursday. The Mets have an off day today, uh, as most of us have been have been doing pretty much through the. Uh, through the pandemic, through this little, uh, I guess, downtime that we all have, we're digging through our baseball cards, and it's been an exciting time. We've had a couple of, op- of uh, hobby episodes so far, and, and uh, as Mitch was saying earlier, 2021 Bowman came out on Wednesday. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, going to talk about Tops. They're doing their own digital format now. They're NFTs. Sim- I would like to say similar to what Top Shot's doing, but you know, not so much. They, they're kind of just sticking to the uh, digital cards, but we're going to talk about what's uh, I guess the potential there. 
We're going to take a quick break here from our sponsors and, uh, and jump into some hobby talk. Three, two, one. Welcome back. Me and Mitch are going to jump into some baseball talk. Mitch, who are you collecting in 2021 Bowman this year? Wow. That's a good question. <laughs> I haven't really even settled into 2021 Bowman yet. Um, <laughs> Still digging through 2020. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I haven't really uh, picked out that player yet that I've targeted. And I'm like, this is going to be the guy that I'm, I'm, I'm going to shoot for, to be honest with you. Um, from 2020 Bowman, you know, my guy was uh, Peraza with the Yankees. I was chasing him hard and I still kind of am um in that mode i haven't really shifted to 2021 yet um but <laughs> you, I definitely, you only had I a few guess, days to be fair yeah yeah the the one player that probably caught my eye is acosta with the, the rangers um i mean the car just looks fantastic i i love it uh the action shots with when uh they show the players you know in the batting stance uh, and not taking like a goofy swing the worst thing is when you have a, a good player or a good prospect and that the photo just doesn't do the player justice. And it's like, they're like off balance or like a goofy swing or something. So I love it when they're <laughs> like in that, we were just talking about some confidence, you know, in the batter's box when they look confident, they're standing there, they're that imposing figure. And the, the Acosta card uh, uh, does that for me. So uh, I guess early on, I would say that that's who I, I would be uh, targeting. You know, and everyone's going for their big names. The um, Austin Martin in Toronto has yeah. been a, a very popular guy. Blaze Jordan in Boston. Yep. Uh, I know our buddy Mike Mayer pulled a, a Blaze Jordan auto in his first uh, his first box of Bowman. So nice. congrats to Mayer. Hell yeah. Um, nice. The, Met, the Mets got absolutely smoked in this uh in this in this uh this brand. Andy Rodriguez yeah. was traded in the uh, the Joey Lucchese deal he's gone and then he got freddie alvarez uh boy who else is who else is the auto in here oh my goodness what, yeah for the freddie Mets? alvarez yeah for yeah. the Mets. freddie alvarez andy rodriguez and and francisco alvarez but that's an insert so those are those are yeah. very rare yeah and, and him jimenez is their rookie auto and those are rare enough anyway so yeah they're they're not really a hit i actually like another guy from the yankees i like kevin alcantara a lot yes yeah. Uh, just a giant guy. He's like six foot six or something. Yeah. And, and they say that the power's there freak athlete. So we'll see what happens. He's a little bit lower on the, the, uh, the uh, rankings right now for the team, but he, what, what's beautiful about Bowman is a lot of times when these products release, a lot of these pro, uh, prospects are towards the mid teens on their team list. Right. And these yeah. are the guys that turn into gems. Like the, the first person I think of is Jacob DeGrom. Like he was, he was, I mean, nobody collected him. Nobody looked to get his cards. And now it seems like not only are Mets fans going after his cards. I hate to change gears going from 2020. No, change. No, change. Not only are people like non-Mets fans are going for the DeGrom cards and you're seeing people um, go after the tops now cards and, and posting on, on Twitter their mail days, and it's a DeGrom card, and maybe they're not Mets fans. And I I don't think I've seen that in a long time where a lot of people who aren't uh, Mets fans are actually collecting Mets player cards. I think Kalanick was probably the last one where people went nuts for. Alvarez may be picking up a little bit of steam now, um, but really where the whole industry is kind of like, wow, targeting a Mets player. 
I think DeGrom's finally starting to get some of that hobby respect that I think we talked about it on our last time where Mets players don't get a ton of hobby respect. And I think in DeGrom being a pitcher, I mean, that's tough to crack that, you know, and, and, and get that hobby respect as a pitcher, but not only that, but a Mets player, I hate to say it, but they're not the most collectible team unless you're really a Mets fan. And, and he's really starting to pick up some steam. Oh my goodness. I mean, he's selling now. I, I mean, I'm just looking yeah. on the, like the recent sold prices, um, like, you know, two, 300% increase in the last yep. month. Um, you know, it's exciting. Shout out to Austin. You, our buddy, Austin, uh, I sent him, I sent him over a bunch of DeGrom cards. I'm like, yeah, he like that's his boy. That's his, 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 for anyone who's not in the know, PC, yeah. his personal collection, that's his PC. So, you know, he's like, oh, what do you have in DeGrom? I'm like, oh, I got you, buddy. And I sent him over a shitload of DeGrom and boy, that stuff's nice. a gold mine right now. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, that's, yeah. that's kind of how the hobby works, man. You, uh, you kind of spread that love, but. hundred oh, um, percent. I like you, Elky Cespedes, who's, you know, you ain't a Cespedes yeah. younger brother. He, he's with uh, the I White agree. Sox. I think that's a very, very uh, a popular pick right now. Um, yeah, just, you know, it's exciting because you're learning about these guys kind of as you're opening up these packs. Yeah, Maybe definitely. a guy you haven't heard of. And, oh, yeah, number uh, second round pick. Who was it from 2020? Casey Schmidt from the, uh, from the San Francisco Giants. Giants, yeah. He, he's a two-way player. I had no idea. Reading the back of his baseball card, second round pick. This guy throws 98 and he hits like 450-foot home yeah. runs. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to stash these away. And Mason Wynn uh, caught my eye last year. Um, and I can't remember if it was Chrome or Draft, but um, it was I draft, started, Mason Wynn. It was. Okay. Yeah. I started grabbing his cards for the same reason. I mean, that's becoming more of a thing now, uh, you know, the two way player, pitcher, and offense, where in the past, you know, a lot of organizations made you pick one way or they told you they didn't make you. Look at Brendan McKay. Um, the Tampa Bay Rays have really tried to turn into, into strictly a pitcher. They've kind of seen the success that Otani's had in L.A., and um, it feels like they're they're still kind of open to him being that pitcher DH. I know they kind of left that by the wayside, but um, yeah, they they have, I guess, the opportunity to kind of find a a, a, a diamond in the rough. Um, he's yeah. already you know, a heck of a player to begin with. Hey, you know who else is is on that list? Um, somebody right here playing in a Mets uniform. J.D. Davis was. Um, I believe through the minor leagues, he pitched and he, he played offense as well. Um, yeah, pretty sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he did both. Um, so, you know, we got some trendsetters, you know, and it's nice to see that these guys are allowed to, um, you know, a lot of times in baseball, you hear, Hey, they're not really athletes, this and that. And I think by having more players show what they can really do on both sides of the ball, or both sides of the game, offense and defense. I mean, that that's only going to, you know, you can make your team better by allowing these guys to flourish rather than just to put them into, you know, hey, this is where you're going to, this is your job. This is what I need you to do. Just, you know, focus on that. Um, which I think in the past, that's a very old school mentality. And now I love the, uh, the open-mindedness allowing these guys to kind of explore and, and just go get it and help your team win the, whatever way you can. Yeah, I mean, look at Otani. That guy's just you know hitting 120 mile an hour exit velocity homers, throwing you know 100 mile an hour fastballs with these splitters that look like magic, and it's um you know it's it's good for the game. Yeah, I agree 100. percent I think, like I said, I think it 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 brings excitement uh, to baseball. 
So it's always good. But re- real quick, before we jump off, I don't know if we're going to go off of 2021 Bowman. You were asking me the players that I was um, targeting before. I always like to also collect like local homegrown type players. And Aaron Sabato, you know, being from New York, coming, I know he grew up, I think, in Rybrook, New York. He yeah, always caught you, right? my eye. Yeah, he's right from around here. So I try to find guys like Joe Panic. He grew up, he actually went to my high school. So I collected him. Uh, um, Lenny, Lenny, yeah, Lenny Torres. He's from Beacon, New York. So I collected him. He's still in uh, the Cleveland organization. So I try to find like guys that if I'm going to keep an eye on, you know, maybe a little homegrown talent. Uh, that's always fun to do too. So um, I'm my eye. Uh, my bad. I was doing that last year with Xavier Edwards. He was born yep. in, uh, in Mineola. Uh, I don't think he spent much time. Oh, in New York. I think he went down to um, Florida very young. But yeah, I caught that on the back of his card. I'm like, oh, that's a nice, that's a nice guy to collect. Yeah, it's little things like that 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 really make you like, you know, you have a little pride in collecting, you know, the players, especially if they're, you know, maybe an unknown prospect, and then you could follow them through their career because you know they maybe went to your high school or lived in your hometown or whatever. It, yeah. it just, you know, it's just one of those little fun things to do. Oh, sure. And it's, you know, it's, it just gives you another reason to collect a new guy or learn about a new team or, yeah. you know, that's again, another beautiful wrinkle of this hobby. Um, yeah. The Phillies have a couple of gems and I'm just kind of browsing through the checklist while we're talking. Uh, yeah. Mick Abel, right-hander uh, drafted last year. Um, again, pitchers don't do great, but this guy seems to really be doing well. And I don't know if anybody saw it, but 20, 2021 Bowman have these cool inserts where it looks like a gold nugget. It's actually like a die cut yeah. card. So it's not a rectangle. It's like a looks, it's cut like a gold nugget. It has like a gold nugget finish and they gave Mick Abel one of them. So I assume that's a, a good sign for him, but the position player I really like in Philly is Nick Maton who recently yeah. got called up. He actually has been getting playing time, made a terrific play at second base last night versus um, uh, the Cardinals. And I guess this was before the whole, uh, did you happen to see Bryce Harper get hit in the face with a fastball? I right? did. I did oh. see the highlights of that. And I oh, just, that is brutal. I thought that was going to be way worse. than You're on right now. I, I haven't been watching the game. I, I This is their last time playing this year. So um, I would assume that there's going to be some jibber jabbering, <laughs> but yeah. I have been watching the game this afternoon. I just, I mean, he, uh, that, that was extremely lucky that he came away with just, you know, minimal damage. Um, usually oh, that does not turn out well. I can't, I can't imagine what his face looks like today or how it feels today. My I God. Know. 97 to the fucking teeth. Ugh. I know. Did he lose any teeth or anything like no. that? Like, I mean, I mean, it's like I'm saying, like, it's just the fact that he didn't lose any teeth. Didn't I didn't see any big cuts on his face? Like, wow. I, I mean, a little just, a little gash on his nose, but I guess you know yeah. the stitches on the ball do that. But, yeah. um, dude, I mean, he, I didn't see it, but apparently he was giving quotes after the game. He said he's all good. Like this yeah. guy's a freaking hockey player, man. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's hard nosed. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> literally, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> pun intended. <laughs> it's good stuff. Um, hey, did, I know me and you were talking a little bit uh, off air over the last couple of weeks about tops NFTs. I know yeah. like, getting into the digital game. Uh, yeah. yeah, I got in. I, I did a co- I did pretty well actually on a couple of those base packs. I got a gold Mike Trout. Um, kind of watching that thing just explode. My goodness, but. Uh, Again, I guess for listeners who haven't got a, a really good 
rundown of what an NFT is and how it works. Do you got a minute to kind of give a quick explanation? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to give you the most. Uh, I'm not a, uh, a super duper expert in NFTs, but um, the way it basically works shot. is, yeah, I mean, Top Shot, I could explain it a little bit better, but basically it's just a digital asset. Um, you know, it's limited. It is minted on a blockchain. So um, it gives you a little bit of that security that uh, the idea that it'll show a list of anyone or everyone that's ever owned this digital asset from the day that it's minted to, you know, the current moment, um, see where it changed hands. You could, you could see what's still out there and available. So there's a lot of reasons why people are excited about the NFT markets. A lot of digital uh, companies are shifting to digital. Tops just jumped into it recently um, with their series one release, which I believe Tops, um, I think they released this as almost a feeler to see what the uh, response would be from the market because, you know, you get a mixed bag of the traditional collector who is not fully understanding the NFT market, dip, not re- not fully engaged, maybe dip their toe in a little bit. And then you have the full-fledged um, people that are already investing and collecting these digital assets who maybe weren't into the traditional sports side of it or sports collectors, um, who now you see these two uh, worlds almost colliding and, you know, for the most part, um, I think both sides of it, there's a lot of room there and they've both been very helpful, if that makes sense. So um, like if anyone from the NFT world or the digital asset side of it, um, who has a ton of experience in that side of it, comes across somebody who doesn't have a ton of experience, but now I have a ton of experience with sports memorabilia and I have that as like, it's just been a, they help each other out. And it's been, a, it's been really nice to see um, the communities come together and really try to build something great. If that makes sense. Like it, it's really been fun. There's no other way to put it. It's been fun. So to see tops getting involved. Um, and like I said, series one, I think when they released it was a little bit of a feeler to see how their traditional tops fans would respond to it. And I think it, I mean, it, it, it sold out pretty quick. Like you said before, the values on a lot of these Series 1's NFTs are these cards, these digital cards. So they released traditional digital cards. So they literally look like digital replicas of the cards, you know, the, the regular cards that you'd be ripping open in top Spacks. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that if they want to continue um, they have or continue to be successful in this space, they have to get a little bit more creative. And I think that they will. Um, I think, I don't want to say that. <laughs> I know that some people think that the first release of the tops NFT almost came across as a money grab because they saw everyone was switching over. And this was, this was the hot thing to do at the time. Let's launch a bunch of these digital packs, but it was pretty just bland. It was a lot of basic stuff. It's just a digital card. They have the potential now, I think, to really be creative and move almost like in a direction where we saw NBA Top Shot. And the reason why that is so popular and exciting and fun is because it is so different than your traditional card collecting. And I think that's what you know drew a lot of people to the Top Shot 
was that, hey, these are digital quote unquote moments where they're little video clips of highlights of, you know, really cool moments from the NBA seasons. And people kind of own those moments or at least that minted version of the moment. Um, I think there is room for tops to move more into a more creative space. Like my idea would be to almost merge what they do at the tops uh, project 2020s, project 70s and bring in, because really NFTs are going to be huge in the art space. So if you could combine that art card, which tops kind of owns that, right? Yeah. Everyone goes there. They love that. Sure. If they could do that and include that and make that some sort of an NFT, I think if they figure it out and they keep, not that they should abandon what they're doing with the regular packs, but I think there's so much room for more creativity where they could really own the space and really move forward um, with that. Sure. That I think Oh, definitely. And even just doing highlights. I think like a, yep. you know, a Fernando Tatis Jr. home run with a monster bat flip, you know, you get like a limited edition version of that. And, you know, if it's following, if it's taking cues from NBA Top Shot, um, you know, you have a, a LeBron assist that's a limited edition that I think sells for thousands of dollars. Like, yep. you know, there's certainly a page to be taken from that book. Um, I do like that Top's made the first release extremely limited. Um, you know, even your base cards, I think they're only numbered to something like 2,400 and the gold ones are at 800 and they're, uh, I guess it's almost like an iridescent and that's a, a 402, I, I believe was the serial. But really they did a terrific job kind of merging, like you were saying, the traditional baseball card into the NFT world. And they kind yeah. of had that originally with Topps Bunt a few years back, but um, really implementing or, or just stepping forward into the NFT world, like you were saying, the Project 70 or Project 2020, even like uh, animated versions of that. Like imagine, I, I'm sure you saw the Ronald Acuna Project 70 where it looks yeah. like a million. You know, I have that thing, like a living, breathing thing. Oh my God. The, you know, these things will do really well. Look at our uh, friend of the podcast, Blake Jameson. Um, yep. He was very involved in Project 2020, still doing his thing with Tops. And, you know, he was on uh, MSNBC a few weeks ago. He made something like $100,000 in a month doing artwork. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, there's it's a, it's a whole new market. And I'm very encouraged that Tops is getting into it. You just want to see him do it right. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, and like I said, there's so much room for creativity there. So I, I am optimistic because I saw what they did with Series 1. It it definitely took off. Um, it was popular. People are still talking about it. The values are continuing right now. Um, if you follow NFTs, the the top two marketplaces in NFTs right now are Top Shot is still number one. They've been number one for probably the past four or five months, at least the start of 2021. Mm. Uh, and then number two now is the tops NFT market with uh, total sales. So they track it by total sales done in the marketplace. And the tops NFT is uh, number two behind NBA Top Shot. So they're on to something there. Um, and I think they know, okay, so now they know they got something. So hopefully they just keep trying to explore that and continue to provide, you know, things that are going to get people excited to the marketplace. Cause if you keep just launching tops cards, I think it gets stale, but if you could do other things um, 
that get me excited or, you know, get people excited about baseball again, do a joint venture with MLB itself and, you know, get people really excited and back into this, you know, into the baseball space. Like people went gaga over, you know, Mike Trout being mic'd up the other day. Right. And how he was talking about what I think call of duty maps or something like that, like NFT, that sort of stuff. Well, there's sure. nothing, you know, you could, you could go in a million different directions and it just brings in the younger generation. It keeps them. Um, and then your sport just keeps growing and evolving and, and keeps that excitement. I think the biggest thing is turning these like, you know, old school, hardened, actual physical card collectors um, or even memorability collectors and, and turning them. I think that's the biggest kind of indicator that they're onto something. Like, boy, you're getting these lifelong baseball card collectors or basketball yep. sports card collectors to buy in to digital assets of yep. highlights that you could see on YouTube. But no, I mean, you see the collectible aspect to it. And, you know, what were the, the, think the tops premium are the tops regular packs, the base packs. I think they were $5 a piece. Like, even if you just wanted to build a little set and, and yeah. what you can get, it's not an extremely tough hit on the wallet clearly there's a lot of room for growth there if that's how you want to look at it. But even just from a fun aspect, um, you know, collecting it's, uh, it's fun. It's cool. And I think that's, you know, that's the bottom line when it comes to this, right? Yeah, it, it is. And the, the, the thing I love about NFTs is now that everyone carries like a smartphone with them, like it's not easy to carry your card collection around with you. Right. I mean, I could take a zillion pictures of, all my favorite cards and, you know, store them on my phone. And then whenever I want to look at them or show them to, you know, my buddies or, you know, sh throw them on social media or whatever um, you can, but like you're carrying your collection literally everywhere you go. So I could just access at any time, look at it. So it's really cool. And I got to admit, I was one of those, you know, collectors when I first heard about Top Shot, I didn't get into it until around January of this year. And that's been out from before that. But when I originally heard about it, I was like, what? This doesn't even make sense. Like I, I was one of those guys. I'm, I'm, you know, I can admit it, but I've made so many, I made good choices in my, you know, hobby <laughs> lifetime, but I've made so many bad choices because I just had a closed mind about stuff. And you realize that, Hey, I've learned, keep an open mind. You know, I put in the amount of money into the top shop. And I went in with the attitude that, you know, I'm going to go and have some fun with it, see what happens. I love the idea of the challenges. That's what really dragged me into it or, or caught my attention mm -hmm. was the challenges and trying to unlock these limited moments that weren't released and you couldn't purchase them in the store um, unless you earned them and then sold them. Obviously, you could buy them afterwards. But the, the idea of unlocking these by trying to piece together these challenges and really caught my attention because that was something that just seemed really fun and cool to me. And it reminded me of like being a kid again, like when you would buy a bunch of GI Joes and like you'd have to cut off the UPCs and then I forget what you had to do, but you could mail them in for like soup. I think that's how Snake Eyes, like you had to get him originally. Like I remember doing that as a kid and it just brought me back to my youth of just doing challenges to try to get something that no one else, you know, had. And that's the, that's the cool part about collecting is like when you own something that no one else has, it gives that, you know, it, it's a little bit more prestigious and it, it's, you know, 
it's just cool to have something like that. That's, that's rare. And, and, and it's yours, you know? So it, that immediately really drew me into Top Shot was the challenge aspect of it. Um, and the fact that, you know, for a long time, you know, keeping a closed mind, I've missed opportunities in the hobby world, investing world, whatever you want to say, because, you know, you just didn't act soon enough. And this time I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to put in what I think I wouldn't be afraid losing. I'm going to have some fun with it. And it's been a great experience ever since. So I'm taking that experience into other things now. That's awesome. And it's, you know, and it's, it's, it's only growing that market. So that's, you know, it's just, it's a very, um, it's exciting time for the hobby. I think it's, it's cool. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's the thing I think people are afraid of with the NFT stuff is they, they don't want to see something that could potentially replace um, their, their sports card hobby, which they grew up with. And, all, and I don't, we can't look at it that way. It, this is a supplement to it. And I think they both can exist and not only that, but thrive and build off each other um, where the excitement and knowledge you gain in one field will make you that much of a more uh, knowledgeable collector in another field. So I think they could play off each other versus look at each other like, oh, this is bad. This is new and bad versus, hey, this could be, this is great because now I could do this and look at the opportunities that are, are presenting themselves with it. Yeah, no, and this is, um, like you said, it's exciting. You, you kind of watch it grow from literally and at least in top's case from its infancy and, and you got in you know the, like you were saying top shot's been around for for a bit but you you still got in fairly early and just to watch it grow to this ex, you know exponential level it must have been um pretty cool it was cool and it was heartbreaking at the same time because <laughs> when things grow that fast i almost got spoiled because when it wasn't that popular i was able to get like these digital packs multiples of them and i didn't have a problem and that you know luckily i was able to get in early enough where i was able to get enough of those packs where i was able to build up a, a pretty solid collection before you know the big rush which came i believe towards the end of february where i mean i went probably a solid month and a half without getting you know a pack where they do the digital packs and they let you know well you know a certain amount of time in advance so that you could get ready. But for the most part, like for a month and a half, I didn't get a pack. And that was, that's the, the growing pains that when something's growing, like I was so excited and so happy to see it growing. But then at the same time, you're like, Oh man, I can't even get a pack. This isn't really fun anymore. Like it almost became like almost bittersweet where, you know, you, you love that all these things are growing, but at the same time it became like, Oh man, now I can't even get, I can't have fun, you know, if that makes sense. Um, so that's a little bit of the emotional roller coaster that I went through. But yeah, it's awesome to see the stuff exploding, seeing people that, you know, this is bringing in people that necessarily aren't sports fans, you know, which is cool because now, and I think that's why a lot of these, the NBA and probably tops and also, you know, the others, I think NFL signed a uh, contract. Um, that they're going to start launching NFTs. But what they want to start doing is bringing in people that haven't been exposed to their sport yet. So there's there's all untapped markets out there that they're trying to tap into. And this is like the gateway for them where, you know, I see it all the time on NBA Top Shot where people are like, 
I've never even really watched a basketball game, but this looks like a cool concept. And then I started watching this person because I started collecting them and now they're a basketball fan. That's awesome. Like that's fun. So it's an awesome kind of sequence of events and kind of going back to what you were saying about like the scarcity uh, of trying to find a pack. It's, you know, it's very similar to trying to find a pack um, of, of physical cards. Now in retail, you, you can't do yeah. it. Because, you know, you go to target, you have to get a number at 6am on Friday, then come back at 3pm on Friday and hopefully you get something and you can only take one box and kids under 18 can't even buy them. And that's just a joke. Yep. Who are fucking baseball cards for anyway? Like, you know, yeah. um, and now, you know, you're back into this market and you still have like the lottery aspect. So there's still like the, uh, the chase and the chance to get shut out, but you know, you do get, if you do get in, you're not one, you're not getting hit over the head for, you know, double aftermarket prices to, uh, to rip yep. off your pack. And, you know, there's just so many pluses to it. And I, I, again, I hope they do the right thing with it, but, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what's next for series two. Yeah. You want to keep the product scarce, but you also want people to have access to it. So yeah. I think that's fine. in the NFT, you know, realm, I think they did a good job where, you know, you know, and NBA Top Shot started the lotteries and stuff like that. So um, it's completely random. You sign up and then they randomize you. And then, yeah, oh, well, you know, I either get one or I don't get one. But when it comes to like people going out, buying up everything in the stores, that's a different story because um, there's a difference between scarcity and um, just not being able to get out and grab a pack of cards if you want. So I get the frustrations and I actually tweeted about the other day how the market has changed. And a lot of people may not realize it, especially if they've been collecting, probably if they started even probably in 2020 and beyond, which I know a lot of new collectors came into the market in 2020, but like if mid 2019 and before you could walk into a Walmart or Target have your choice of, you know, what product you wanted. And a lot of times they had stuff on clearance because it didn't sell out from the previous season. So I could walk into a Walmart or go to the Walmart website and get 2017 tops update blasters and whatever yeah. in 2018 on clearance because they couldn't sell it. Now I dare you to find that or try that. <laughs> like, it's just not going to happen. It's just crazy to see. Um, how the, the market has changed so drastically and not a lot of people realized it. this isn't how it always has been. Like there was a time where literally they couldn't even sell it to the point where it was on clearance. And now it's like, you can't like, even if you wait online for an hour, you may not get anything. Oh my goodness. You know, I guess the target by us, there were fights a few months ago. So yeah, they stopped selling cards altogether. And now they're doing this lottery system where you have to yep. show up at, six o'clock in the morning get online get a ticket come back you can only buy one one ticket or well, one item and they only put a certain amount of everything out and you know it's just a it's a nightmare and then you go on to like uh you know you go on to ebay you're paying triple what you know what they just yeah. bought them for you go on to StockX, and that's a you know it's a little bit more fair but um you know it it is what it is it's it's the market it i've moved over to singles i buy my singles on ebay i uh I'll join in a break every now and then. Actually, I'm, I, I haven't been breaking a whole bunch, but I'm in a, a 2021 Bowman break tonight. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And listen, I got to be honest here. Like 2021 Bowman 
usually I go, I would go real hard at Bowman breaks when, you know, whenever the product launches, either when I would do be doing them for the monster hits club or like for myself, I'd go, you know, I'd, I'd be buying it up left and right, trying to hit as many cards as possible. And now it's to the point where even Bowman's getting to a price point where a team that doesn't provide you with, you know, the, 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 what I would call the top tier prospect uh, is almost pricing you out, even if you're doing card breaks. And it's almost to the point like me who, you know, that's how I got the majority of my cards in the past, especially Bowman was through breaks. I'm even saying I'm just, I'll do a couple breaks for some fun because um, you know, you can go for that lottery ticket chase. Like we were always talking about, you have a little bit of fun, but for the most part, I'm going to find a, a prospect that I want to, you know, kind of track and follow and collect. And I'm just going to hit eBay or reach out to people when they're selling it on Twitter and just say, Hey, I'll take that. That's what I did with Nick Gonzalez. Yeah. I mean, I did a few breaks last year. I was super high on him. Did a few breaks, but the pirates were so expensive in these breaks because obviously he's one of the top prospects that I couldn't, you know, continually chase that way. So it turned into, Hey, you know, let me see what I could buy on, you know, off eBay. And you just got to buy the singles and go for it. Yeah. I may not, you know, I'm not going to hit the red out of five or the super fractor, but I'll be able to collect and have fun and, and do it that way. So there's two, you know, I think as the market changes, my, you know, people have to change their philosophies and see what works best or not philosophies, but their strategies, you know, yeah. and, and it's totally, you know, whatever works for you is, is what works for you. And then just go do it and have fun while you're doing it. Oh, and that's, you know, that's, I, I've been, I guess I could say I've probably been back in the game for maybe two and a half, three years. And I've changed my approach many times. It's almost as quick yeah. as, you know, I'll, I'll get a haircut. You could pretty much time it up. <laughs> um, yeah. you, know, it, it, you have to kind of adjust and that, Brings us right back to baseball. And Joe Girardi from the Phillies had an awesome quote on Friday. You know what? I'm actually going to take a second to pull it up because it's about adjusting and it's just terrific quote. Give me one second. Because, you know, hitting across the league, April's always been a very, very tough month. Um, once it warms up, so do the bats. We've, we've seen this yep. happen plenty of times. But here we go. I'm going to go ahead and read it verbatim. Uh, I think it comes down to players have not adjusted to what pitchers are doing to them. Pitchers adjusted to hitters. Now hitters have to adjust to pitchers. Pitchers are pitching up and down in the zone. I don't think hitters have done a good enough job of adjusting to it. And that's, you know, it, that speaks to so many things. You have to always be not only able to adjust, but willing to kind of adapt with the situation. That goes for baseball. That goes for collecting cards. Shit, that goes for, for anything. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, – you know, they all kind of lean on each other and it all kind of blends into one. And it's, it's a, like you said, it's a fun time. Um, baseball season's back. Baseball cards are booming. How could you not be happy? No, I agree a hundred percent. And like you were saying, adaptability is the key and, and probably all facets of life. Um, I, you know, it's one of those survival of the fittest things, you know, those that adapt will, you know, continue to prevail and those that fail to become the blockbusters of the world. I know everyone uses that mentality, but, or that, uh, example, um, to, but it's, it's absolutely true. And, uh, baseball is back. And once the weather warms up, I'm sure the Mets bats will too, because I used to hate coming back from Florida and then having to play in the colder weather, at least it's been a little bit warmer lately, but 
that used to be the worst. I used to hate playing in the cold, man. I, I hated it. Baseball is just not made for cold. No, <laughs> it's just I mean, not. I would be fine with starting the, starting the season in May moving forward or even push it off to like the middle of April, push opening day off just to kind of avoid these things. Like the Mets are still, I believe, six games behind some teams as far as with the postponements and the cancellations with the COVID thing and the Nationals. Like, you know, that's a, um, that's a hole to climb out of. And it might come in handy later having games in hand. But, you know, as far as finding a rhythm, which the Mets still haven't been able to do, uh, you know, I, it all, I think it's all kind of uh, ties into each other. I agree 100%. All right. I'm just letting my cat out. He's scratching at the door, pissing me off. Um, <laughs> I think we've touched all our bases. This was kind of, uh, I guess you, you called me like, all right, I got some time. Let's do it. And I think I'm pretty sure we kind of hit everything. I think we hit everything and we hit it hard. Yeah. And that's how to start hitting, baby. Monster hits club and pulling hits. Monster pulling monster hits. By the way, we're like knee deep in, in, in definitely trying to make a strictly hobby show. So I keep an eye out for that. But mon- pulling monster hits, that's what we do. That's right. All right. Mitch, where can everybody find you on social media, pal? At First Pitch Mitch on Twitter. I, I do not have Instagram anymore. So just at First Pitch Mitch on Twitter. All right, Hit man. Me up. I will, uh, I'll give you an update on how I do on Bowman later. All right, sounds good. Give me a text. Yeah. All right, guys, the Metsies have uh, – they're in Philly this weekend. Uh, you got Stroman going on Friday against Chase Anderson. Taiwan Walker facing Zach Wheeler on Saturday. David Peterson's back on Sunday to take on Zach Eflin, who stifled the Mets last time out. Hopefully they, uh, they get the best of him this time. Something's got to give. Got to win some games. Got to make up some ground. Have whatever cliche you want to use. All right, everybody, we will see you next time. Let's go Mets and uh, adios.